I'm delighted to introduce to our listening audience our newly elected state comptroller, Sean Scanlon, who joins us this morning to talk about what things are going on with the state comptroller's office and what his first three weeks on the job is like. Sean, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. For starters, tell the people what the role, what the job is of the state comptroller. Well, most people have heard of the word controller, but they don't really know what it means, and I don't blame them. It's, uh, it's a complicated, very wonky job, but basically the state controller is the CFO of the state. He's the chief financial officer. We pay all the bills. We keep all the books. Um, and then more interesting for me personally, as somebody who has an interest in healthcare, we are sort of the chief healthcare officer as well in the sense that we negotiate and oversee the state's largest health plan for um, all of the active employees, but also all of the retirees, too. And that adds up to 300,000 people. A lot of folks uh, who are up in your neck of the woods would probably know who I am because I also sign their checks as former UConn employees. Well, you touched on health care reform. And when you were a state representative in 2014 for Connecticut's 98th District, you became a champion for health care reform, which is rooted in your own life experiences from your family. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, I grew up, my dad was a cop, my mom uh, was a stay-at-home mom, and then my parents split up like a lot of families, and my mom uh, you know, became a small business owner, and she uh, almost never had health insurance and was uninsured or underinsured most of her life. And I saw her struggling with that and realized that there was a lot more other people like her out there. And so when I got elected to the General Assembly when I was pretty young, um, I decided to make health care my focus. I became chair of the insurance committee and passed a number of laws to try to make health care more accessible and affordable. And when the comptroller that we had for about 10 years, Kevin Lembo, who was a friend of mine, resigned from office back in 2021, um, I decided to throw my hat in the ring and try to continue the work that he was doing um, to basically use the state's power of, of having 300,000 lives under our control to try to lower costs for everybody else. Um, and I'm trying to pick up that work now, but uh, I'm only on my 18th day on the job, but we're, we're making some progress. That's great. And we had Kevin Lembo on the air a lot. And then you've just replaced Natalie Broswell. You've been on the job now for like three weeks. What's that three weeks been like since you were sworn in? Has it been what you expected? Has there been challenges you didn't anticipate? Well, you know, it's been really exciting. I mean, I you, you spend a long time running for office, and then to get there is always a, a really good thing. And uh, it's exciting to sort of, you know, have some plans and have some ideas and then be able to go into the office on day one and try to implement them. And whether it's the pandemic pay, premium pay program that I think we'll talk about in a second of, you know, giving that bonus to those essential workers who helped us or um, another program that I spent a lot of time in the last three weeks on, which is called My CT Savings. I was up in the quiet corner uh, early this week in Putnam. Uh, it's basically a program that is run by my office in which if you don't offer a retirement plan as a business with more than five employees, you can offer one through my office. And it's a great way for small businesses that you know can't really afford to offer a retirement plan to do so to their employees. Um, so I'm loving it. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Traveling around the state is uh, is a great thing to do. I love Connecticut. I love talking to people. And I've been really enjoying the job so far. Yes. And later on today, you will be talking about some information regarding the hero pay. A lot of folks who had to go to work during the pandemic early days, they were able to qualify for some money. And then so many people applied, so many people qualified, they had to dilute that pool 
and there was an effort made to kind of restock that pool. Can you give us an idea what the current situation and going forward, where we're going to go for the folks who are eligible for Hero Pay? Yeah, so right after I won, you know, they sort of sit you down and say, okay, here's all the problems that you got to deal with on day one. <laughs> one of the biggest problems was that, um, and it's a good problem to have, we um, had not allocated enough money for this program, and uh, they thought that only a certain amount of people would apply, and then turns out a lot more people applied. So um, one of the first things I did was get on the phone, I called the governor, I called the speaker and the Senate president, and uh, we were able to actually add more money to the pot. Um, in a special session back in December. So um, we got enough money in there to be able to offer um, most of the people who applied um, made less than $50,000. Um, we were able to make sure that all those people got the full $1,000 that they were promised. We did have to prorate some of the higher income brackets, but um, later on today I'll be announcing that the checks are going to start to go out uh, in about a week, um, which is great because people have been waiting for these for a long time. Um, and I'm glad we're finally getting this out the door because all of us, as you know, you know, rightly called these people heroes and thanked them. This is the least that we can do to say thank you to people who worked at Stop and Shop and grocery stores and as those frontline workers we all thought were, were the heroes of COVID. Radio stations too, Sean. In fact, that full disclosure, I qualified for that. So I'm looking forward. That'll be a hard copy check. They don't stick that right in your savings or checking account, do they? Um, so there, most of it is direct deposit. Actually, there are some people who are getting a hard check, and that's going to take a little bit longer, but um, most of, of them are actually going to be direct deposit. Now, there had been some talk about the original $1,000 promise, and then the pool got diluted by so many qualified applicants, it came down to like 220. How'd they restock the pool? Was it just some kind of state reallocating resources? Well, yeah, we basically had to add more money to the pot. It was originally $30 million was allocated to the program. We needed about 100 There was another uh, you know, $40 million that we added to that special session. There was $30 million from a sort of an account that was in another program in my office that was sort of very underutilized compared to this. So we sort of cobbled some money together, added $70 million more to it, and got to a point where... Um, you know, we, we're spending $105 million on the program, and that's what we're announcing today is that, you know, what the schedule is that people are going to get it. But um, we wanted to make sure that um, even though the it was not the fault of the essential worker that we underestimated the amount of people that were going to get it, that everyone was going to get something out of this. Sean, we just talked about the pandemic and covid and you've done a little bit of uh, examining the state's numbers here about how nationwide increase in health care costs and a surge of increased utilizations to pre-COVID levels outdid projections and affected health plans across Connecticut and the country. Do you anticipate that health care costs, both insurance and what you pay for your services, are going to go up because of the pandemic? Well, they're not necessarily going up because of the pandemic. They're going up because last year in particular, both the private insurance companies and the public ones that my office runs, they got wrong how quickly people were going to sort of bounce back and utilize their health plans. And what utilization means is basically like how often you go to the doctor or get a procedure done. And as you know, during COVID, a lot of people really put off going to the doctor, right? They only went to the doctor if they were really sick. They sort of didn't get that checkup that they were supposed to get every year to just check how they were doing. 
And so what we saw happen was in 2022, there was a massive surge of people as sort of COVID changed and people were vaccinated and sort of getting back to their lives. They went back to the doctor. Um, and because of that, um, both my plan that I run and the plans that the private insurers run, um, you know, really got it wrong and sort of underestimated and therefore had to make some big adjustments. Here's the underlying problem, though. It's not about that. It's the cost of health care keeps going up. The cost of health insurance keeps going up, especially on the private market. And a lot of insurers now are not even offering uh, what's known as small group insurance, which is basically the, the kind of insurance that your local business and um, you know, Wyndham or Mansfield is using to, to employ their, uh, their employees. So what I'm focused on is how can I, as the comptroller, use the leverage of those 300,000 people that I oversee healthcare for to try to help out mom-and-pop businesses in the quiet corner in eastern Connecticut um, to make sure that they have a fair shot of offering affordable health insurance to their employees and they don't have to be like my mom and go without it because they can't afford it. Yeah, so you also just kicked off the third wave of outreach to businesses for which you touched on earlier, My CT Savings, the easy way to save for retirement. Who is that targeted for? 50% of the businesses in Connecticut don't offer a retirement plan to their employees. And it's not because they don't want to. It's because they can't afford to. Um, and similar to health insurance, you know, a lot of those small business owners are sort of sitting up at night around that proverbial kitchen table and saying, geez, honey, I don't know that we can continue offering the 401k to the employees. I don't know that we can continue offering the health insurance. And one of the things that we decided to do a couple of years ago as a state is to create this program called My CT Savings that allows for a business to essentially simply do this. They tell us who their employees are. And then we create a Roth IRA for them. The business doesn't pay anything towards it. The business doesn't pay to administer it. They don't pay a guy to invest for them. They literally just tell us who their employees are and do a payroll deduction, and we take care of everything else. And this program is finally getting off the ground. We're seeing some success in it. Um, But why this is so uh, pertinent right now for your listeners is every business in Connecticut, if you have more than five employees, has to buy law. Uh, begin the process of working with us. They either have to tell us whether they do offer a plan, in which case we sort of say, you're all set, or if they don't offer a plan, they have to tell us who their employees are by March 30th of this year. And then, like I said, this isn't really a big burden on them. They just have to tell us who their people are. We set the accounts up. And then at that point, the employee has the choice of either doing the actual retirement uh, savings or they can opt out of it. I will tell you, though, that 83% of people uh, so far are sticking with it, which I think is really good because we have to be better about educating people on the importance of saving for retirement. Is there a cost to the business owner? No, no cost to the business owner. All they do is tell us, um, you know, who who the employees are, and then they have to add the payroll deduction um, to their payroll, which they're already doing anyway. Most of them hire a company to do it, or they use QuickBooks, and it's really just adding one more line. It's not something they have to even worry about. And as I travel across the state, I was just in Putnam, uh, you know, on Friday of last week talking to a manufacturing company that was one of the first to sign up. And the guy said, look, it's so easy. I don't even think about it. My employees love it. And I feel great that I'm finally able to offer them something which is going to help me keep the employees here at my company. 
What's the message for employees? Do they now have to contact their employer about this? Or is the business owner, the employer, is it incumbent upon them to notify their employees about this My CT Savings Plan being available? You know, we're talking mostly here about small businesses, um, you know, people who have between five and 25 employees. So, um, you know, not a big corporation where they send HR memos out. You know, this is, you know, we're going to talk about this in a, in a team meeting in the morning and talk about it in the break room kind of thing. The employer um, does notify them, but then the employee finds out about it because we set up an account for them um, and we send them the information for it and they basically have to decide whether they want to keep it or they don't. Sean, it sounds to me as if you're very hands-on in this new role as the state comptroller. You talked about being in Putnam. You're going to be in Middletown today. Do you kind of feel a responsibility to get out, get around the state, go to local towns to spread the word about some of the programs that your office is running? Well, I'm the youngest person ever elected to this job. I'm 36 years old, and um, this is no knock on my predecessor, and Kevin was a great friend of mine, certainly Natalie, who was doing interim but I'm going to do this job differently than people. I'm going to go out in the public every single day. I'm going to talk to people um, because, A, I think that that's how the job should be done, but, B, it's how my brain works. <laughs> I love to be out learning from people. Um, you know, when I was up in Putnam, I was, you know, learning how they make chromium, right? Uh, I have never learned about that before, but seeing that with my own eyes helped me. Yesterday, I was learning how to make a churro down in Stanford at a coffee shop that's participating in this. So, I like to get out. I like to talk to people. And I think that all public officials are better at their jobs when they're not sitting behind a desk nine to five, um, you know, just in the echo chamber of their staff. I want to get out there. I want to hear what's on the minds of people in Connecticut. And I want to try to do something about the problems they talk to me about. And that's the only way I know how to do this job. And kind of ripped from today's headlines, you made a statement yesterday regarding the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Your entire statement is on your website, but can you give us a a brief summary of what your thoughts were about that? Yeah, I mean, listen, yesterday was the first time in 50 years that anyone marked that anniversary, and if you were a woman in Connecticut or this country, um, for the first time felt less secure about your ability to make your own health care decisions than you ever have before. And, um, you know, whether it's my wife or my friends or anybody else that I know, um, they're really upset about that Supreme Court ruling, and I think they should be, because that was supposed to be the settled law of the land, and for 50 years it was, and last year it was struck down. Um, fortunately, here in Connecticut, um, we have a very strong state law that protects the right to an abortion for women in our state. Um, we've done things as recently as last year to expand upon that right um, and to make sure that people know that if they need it, that is there for them, and that is not going to change anytime soon in Connecticut. Um, but obviously, across the country, um, we're seeing that right being taken away from a lot millions and millions of people and um, that's a, a deeply upsetting thing that people marked yesterday for the first time in a long time. And lastly, Sean, I want to hear about your dog, Delaney. What kind of dog is it? <laughs> uh, she's a soft-coated Wheaton Terrier. Um, obviously, my name is Sean Scanlon. I couldn't be any more Irish. And uh, Wheaton Terriers were the Irish field dogs. They were kind of like the poor man's, uh, poor man's dog. And so my wife and I fell in love with this dog. Uh, it also doesn't shed, which is very crucial for uh, keeping your house in order. Um, but the dog has a lot of energy. And even though she's eight, um, she still acts like a puppy, which 
isn't always the best. But I, I love it. I love it. I'm a dog lover. Hey, you coming to the Boombox Parade this year in Romantic Willamantic? I am, and you know, I um, you know, as I was researching, getting ready to come on your show. Uh, obviously, you got a long history of doing this. It's great to be here. Um, I've marched in the Boombox Parade before with other people. Um, I love it. I love the history of it, and uh, it's great to be on the station that started it for the first time. All righty. Looking forward to seeing you there and down the road on this radio program as well. Sean, thanks for joining me this morning. No problem. Good to see you. It's our newly elected comptroller, Sean Scanlon, who later on this morning in Middletown will be updating details on the schedule for disbursement of premium pay, also known as hero pay. 14 WILI Willimantic at 95.3 FM.